Hello, and welcome to Dragons Remember, a podcast exploring the living history of Drexel University. I'm Scott Gabriel Knowles, a professor of history at Drexel, and your host for this episode. Today, we will be continuing our discussion about the number one reason students choose Drexel University, the co-op. We have learned a bit about co-op now, but what about co-op 40 years ago? With us is Ira Taffer, graduate of the class of 1979 and current Associate Dean of Faculty Affairs for the College of Arts and Sciences. Drexel today has a bustling campus and a vibrant student life, but what did the campus look like 40 years ago? Ira tells us. My name is Ira Taffer. I'm a double graduate of Drexel. I have a a bachelor's degree in chemistry from 1979 and a PhD in organic chemistry in 1983. I, uh, when I left, I did a one-year postdoc at the University of Pennsylvania, and then another undergraduate and I started a business in the end of 83, beginning of 84, which we did for 27 years. Um, after selling that, I was kind of semi-retired for a couple of years and got asked to uh, six years ago to do a favor. For, the, uh, for Dean Marasco, and uh, I spent two years as the interim head of the chemistry department, and then two years as the interim head of the English and philosophy department, and then for the last two years as an associate dean for faculty affairs for the, for the college. So Drexel was the only school I applied to, which um, maybe wasn't so unusual back when I was a, a high school senior. Um, Drexel was what I lived, grew up in the Philadelphia area, so Drexel was very well known, had a good reputation. Uh, it had co-op. Um, when I was thinking about where to go to school, I was at my friend's house, and his father worked for General Electric, which used to be across from the main building. And uh, I said to him, well, I'm thinking about going to Drexel. And he said, you should go there because we hired their co-op students, and we love them, and we keep them forever. So I would recommend you go to Drexel. So that's why I went, came to Drexel. So I applied. Fortunate enough, I got accepted. Um, I'm glad I don't have to apply today because I think the students today are much better than, than uh, grades and uh, SAT scores than I had when I came here. Um, the schools, you know, like I said, it was a much smaller place, but it didn't feel tiny by any means. And, you know, because it was in the city, there was, you know, there was always a lot going on. Just uh, there was nothing much here on the weekends. Um, generally, most of the social activity was around Greek life. There wasn't much outside of that. Um, there was a uh, commuter coalition, and they would have, like, road rallies and things occasionally. Um, and, uh, in the, in the, uh, crease center, in the, you know, downstairs where they had that little lounge now, that was actually, there were vending machines down there and that's where people hung out during the day. When I was a student, almost everybody was a five-year three co-op student. There were, I didn't even know the others were options and they may not have been back then, at least for the majors. I, you know, I was in, in chemistry anyway. So, yeah. So when I came here, I, I knew I would do co-op, um, most everybody I knew was here for the same thing. They were going to do co-op, uh, especially for, you know, from a person from my economic situation, that Drexel was a viable place to go because, uh, you know, relative to today, it was inexpensive and co-op would easily pay for your education. And that was actually my case where just my three co-ops, I essentially paid for my entire undergraduate education. I'm going to ask you more about that in a minute. Yeah. Most of the kids... First in their family to go to college, or yeah, the majority price was a consideration, right? Right, and uh, you know, it was I think my freshman year for the entire year was twelve hundred dollars. Um, today that's probably what it cost you to buy books. 
process finding that online in this stuff? What, what, was, the, what were the steps? Yeah, so unlike today, uh, you had a co-op advisor. I still remember mine, a guy named Joe Stocker. Um, you met with him once or twice during your freshman year. And he'd ask you some questions about, do you want to go out of town, stay in town? You know, what, what are you looking for? And then he would send you out on an interview. Um, I only got sent on one. <laughs> it was to the Department of Agriculture in, in uh, Winmore. Uh, there were 12 of us sent out for 12 positions. So it was pretty clear that we were going to all be hired, <laughs> which is what happened. All 12 of us got, got positions there. Um, we went through the process afterward, actually. I, it was interesting. I got a letter saying you're going to work for this. I was going to work for this woman named Muriel Happich, and I was fine. You know, I didn't care. You know where they sent me. And then when I showed up, they said, "No, we've changed you, and uh, you're going to work for Gene Talley." And I said, "Okay, why?" And they said, "We don't." They, he just requested that. And then when I went to meet with him, he reminded me that I had gone to high school with his daughter, and she recommended that he take me. <laughs> and, um. I worked in a, in a plant products group, and we were looking at the amino acid content of potatoes. I, I did that for two co-op cycles. Uh, it was interesting. Gene, Gene was an interesting guy. He he was uh, probably in his late 60s at, at the time, so he'd been around for a while. He didn't trust modern technology very much, so we weren't allowed to use mechanical. We weren't allowed to use electronic balances because he thought if they had light bulbs in them, they <laughs> couldn't possibly work. Um, so we had to use an old chain master, which is this double pan gold chain balance. It was great. I wanted to steal it and take it home, but I think uh, many people in the in the building had dibs on it from when he retired. Drexel's co-op program helped Ira begin his own business. Then Ira's own business turned around to offer co-op positions for Drexel students. He talks about what that was like, especially just starting out. I, I think most of the people I know did the same co-op multiple times, at least two to, or three times. Some some tried to do a different one every time, but it wasn't. Today they pushed that more than I think they did back then. Then they were just you got a job, you can go do it again. You know, as long as you performed well enough for them to have you back, uh, everyone was relieved not to have to find you a new one. <laughs> did you consider working for your co-op employer once you graduated, or you were heading in a different direction? No, yeah, I hadn't considered it. A few people did stay at the USDA that that I that I had met. It was it, you know it's interesting. People who were on the other co-op cycle, there was a guy who I became very good friends with in graduate school that I did not know that we had the same co-op job on opposite cycles. We didn't have any any idea of each other's existence at the time, which um, was interesting. But I, I knew I was going to graduate school, so I you know I didn't come out and even look for a job or ask anyone about a job. So, um, but uh, there were you know, just like today, many people get hired by their by their co-op uh, job. What was your business called? So our business was called Biomol Research Labs, and um, it, it got started. It, it had nothing, you know. It was another. It was this not something that incubated like through my whole undergraduate or graduate education? Um, I, I probably told this story before, but what happened was I was just getting ready to start writing my thesis in the graduate school. And my friend Rob Zipkin who was an undergraduate with me here. Went to Penn for graduate school. And uh, there's a group called the Philadelphia Organic Chemist, Chemist Club, and once a month they have a chemist come in from some other university and give a talk. And so one night I, I went to the meeting, and I was when I got home, Rob was on the phone talking to my wife. And she said, oh, Rob was waiting for you to get home. And he said to me, what are you going to do when you graduate? 
And I said, I, I don't know, I guess I have to look for a job or a postdoc or I, I haven't thought about it yet. I, right now, I just want to write my thesis and be done. And he said, you want to start a business? I said, hey, okay, let's do that. And uh, I had, you know, no concept of what we were agreeing to do. And, uh, uh, you know, it, right place at right time and hard work and it kind of worked out. Did you hire Drexel Co-ops when you ran the business? Yeah. So our first uh, our first employee, we, we, when we got big enough that we needed more than two of us to, to work there, we our first thought was, uh, how are we going to get some labor that's not overly expensive? So we said, let's go hire a Drexel Co-op. So we, we called up and uh, got a co-op student, and um, he came out, and he worked for us, and uh, he was uh, so good that uh, we kept, he came back and finished, but then we kept him for the next 25 years employed, so uh, he, he definitely got value out of his co-op job. Yeah, I think so, because, you know, when you want to hire someone, what's your first thought? Let me, let me contact someone who might know someone who could help me and, and could help evaluate them for me, so we would just call up you know, different professors in the chemistry department say, look, we, we need to hire someone and, uh, you know, who's looking for a job or, you know, who can you recommend? And, you know, they would send people out who they knew were looking for jobs. And, um, you know, it was a great employment agency. <laughs> the internet and, and social media, they keep in touch with friends who are at other companies or were left the country for co-ops. So I, I think they feel much more connected to the university than they did. We really felt very isolated. Um, probably the only thing we received while we were in co-op was our bill for the next, for the next uh, half year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree, and and um, uh, I, I think it's much better for the student. You know, it's a much more, you know, as, as learning how to to be in the adult world and the business world, or, or even as an academic job. I, I think that that skill set of reading through ads, deciding what looks appealing to me, is something that you need to learn. And uh, so, I, I think that's a big benefit to the students uh, to prepare them, because to me, it's all about being prepared for after graduation. With us as well, we have Amish Desai, class of 2003. Here is his impression of the campus in those days. He tells us how the co-op program allows for students to try job opportunities that they may have previously shied away from and explore what career path they may or may not wish to follow. I first learned about Drexel um, growing up in central Pennsylvania. So I grew up in Lancaster, PA, Lancaster, Lebanon, kind of the, the central PA area. And uh, Drexel was uh, was well known in our in our community, even though it was an hour and a half, two hours away. So I, I always had Drexel on my radar, but mainly it was due to the co-op program. It, it, it was just sort of a, um, a a known program to sort of allow you to expand upon your degree and you know, launch into the workforce. Uh, but we kind of had a different take on it as well. It was one to find out what it is you didn't want to do. So I graduated in 03. Uh, we'd seen some economic turmoil. We saw a lot of people that were getting into industries that they ultimately did not like. They were getting into majors they did not like. Um, and we'd seen that amongst our local community, friends and family and such. And so what we learned about co-op as we went through the process was we were going to get a really good taste of what, what it was to be a finance major, uh, which is what I was. I was in finance, econ, and international business. But I always had a uh, penchant towards uh, financial markets and investments. So I, I knew what I thought I knew about it, right? You, you see, you watch TV, you watch trading places, you know, you, you pick up what you can about about the industry you're into, but you don't really know till you're on the job uh, per se. Uh, lucky for me, being a you know a Drexel grad, that on the job component is six months while you're still in school, and that's that's a, a healthy amount of time to figure out whether you love, hate, or in, or indifferent towards something. Uh, for me, the last co-op was the one in financial markets, so I had a three co-op experience. The first one being 
um, uh, Towers Watson. Now it's Willis Towers Watson, uh, where I learned about actuarial sciences, which from, you know, an 18 year old in central Pennsylvania, you know nothing about. You've heard of the concept of insurance, but that's about it. So I had no idea. I ended up really enjoying it. I, I really didn't. I started with a blank slate and it was uh, it was very enlightening for me. It was also the first time in a corporate environment uh, from a work perspective. I'd worked at you know bank branches and other things, but it was never an office building right on 15th and Market where you're commuting every day. Uh, that was all new to me. So there, there was an element of, of growth, I think, just from experiencing that. But ultimately, I, I didn't want to go through the path of, of becoming a true actuary. I learned that as well. So that, that was helpful. Um, but the second co-op was with uh, Verizon International, which, again, hardcore corporate experience, a lot of accounting. Uh, preparing financial documents for the SEC, uh, so there was it's real work, uh, and you see the work product as as you're there and going through it. So I I enjoyed that. I also recognized the importance of accounting, but also that I want to spend my entire existence accounting. So uh, very helpful in both regards. And the last one was Susquehanna, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that was where I got my first full time job in addition to my last co op. One of the more unique things about the Drexel co op program is how it is balanced and integrated with the alternating six months of class time. A lot of my finance classes were through the same professor, and that was by, by choice. So it was probably my second year where I had uh, Professor Amy Cratchman for the first time, and she had just come from uh, the bond industry. She was a bond portfolio manager for, for BlackRock, if my memory serves me well. Um, and she really brought that real-world experience to the classroom. So while we were definitely getting into theory, we were doing you know financial modeling, financial analysis, we were doing all the textbook work, but there was always a real world tangible example to go along with it, which, you know, depending on who the person is, some people are great with theory. Some people are just really can dive in and, and get every concept and be totally invigorated by it. For me, I'd like to see it play out a little further. Uh, and so to be able to get the real world experience from what Amy could provide uh, to us on a daily basis was extremely uh, impactful. Because then you sort of buy into the theory immediately. You understand that she's not just going to profess something because it's on a piece of paper in the book. In fact, a lot of the a lot of the notes and a lot of the things we worked off of were her own her own works. Uh, so I, that was really helpful for me because it took something that was accounting, uh, it was finance and financial markets oriented, but brought it down to sort of the classroom level where I could buy into what we were learning in the classroom every day versus you know. Okay. We're, in fact, she calls me back into some of our classrooms now to talk about how what I do now, I still use uh, some of the concepts that she taught me, whatever, 20 years ago. Um, it, it was that impactful and that, that realistic. And, and that, was, that sort of runs, I think, part and parcel with, with the co-op experience. It's, it's very realistic. It's very tangible. Uh, what I learned on co-op, I was you know, supplementing with you know, in the classroom. What I was learning in the classroom, I ultimately applied at co-op and then my, my sort of full-time world. So for that, in that regard, it was great. Uh, but the other parts I would say is, uh, you know, while that's sort of laser focused on what I wanted my career to be and the industries that I wanted to be part of, uh, there are experiences outside of that. So in the classroom, you know, having to take humanities, uh, one of my favorite courses was philosophy. I mean, where else would I have the opportunity to sort of, you know, banter, learn, re reading about, literally reading Immanuel Kant. And, and having to go through that was you know, something that maybe not every finance major has ever had the opportunity or the inclination uh, to do. Drexel creates innovators, people who are always looking forward. Amish has some ideas on how to strengthen alumni connections and how the co-op program can become integrated more not only with Drexel alumni, but Philadelphia as a whole. I think it, the first thing I learned 
frankly, on the job day one was that it's really your work is going to be impactful. That you're not uh, you're not there to get anybody's coffee, right? It, you're you're going to show up and you're taking a desk that they could have otherwise hired a full time person for, and they're going to get six months of, of of work out of you, and that's a long time. This isn't if you think about the typical summer internship. It's you start mid June and you probably end early August, right? It's a month, month and a half of productivity. So this is, let's say that's that's that sort of window still true for a six month co op. Well, then they're getting four and a half months of productivity. That's a long, long time. So I, I think it's 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 be thoughtful about your opportunity. It's easy to be selective for for companies that you've heard of before, uh, but sometimes experiences might be. Uh, you may have more responsibility for a smaller company or a mid-sized company that doesn't have this huge uh, budget. And they're saying, we're, we're willing to invest in a co-op because one, we know the work output. We know that there's a potential uh, a person that we could hire full-time afterwards and we need the help, right? We really need the help. So it, it's sort of being flexible about what's presented to you and what sounds the best isn't always right for you. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing I can say is once you've identified it could be at a high level. It could be, well, I'm into business, but I don't know what, or I'm into finance or accounting. You know, it depends how granular you are at that point. But definitely try something that's tangential to the area that you ultimately think you want to be in. One, it could be helpful. It could be helpful, as, as I told you before, things that I learned I didn't want to do. But it, it also taught me a lot about what the elements of those areas. It, it, business doesn't function in a vacuum. There's no one in finance who doesn't use accounting or doesn't touch marketing or all those areas sort of sort of interact. And I know I'm a little bit more business focused because that's my background, but you see the overlap there. So it's never a wasted effort. So mm -hmm. what do you, you know, you're one of the people who has that ability to see in the future a little bit uh, in this regard. What do you see for Drexel in that, in that sense? What's, what's just over the horizon? Well, I, I think keeping your... For the from the university's perspective, they've always had the view that they're producing what the, what the sort of economy, what the country uh, needs today and for the foreseeable future. Right? It is always forward looking, and I think just having that being the sort of marching order keeps you sort of on task. Right? So whether it's whether it's something you know, to tweak with the curriculum, whether it's uh, engaging our corporate you know, partners in a, in a in a bigger way to say. Well, I understand we supply uh, a lot of a lot of folks that end up in your accounting office, but you're doing cutting edge work in technology. Let us show you what what we are producing. Let us show you what we're working with. When you see the Bloomberg Lab here on campus, right? Th this is a, a way for us to make sure that we understand what their needs are and we're supplying that upfront. I think that sort of you know institution, you know company partnership, however you want to describe it, uh, has always been core to, to the type of talent that that the university produces. And I think it takes a lot of other places a, a lot more time uh, to, to react and to, to adjust to what the economy or what the country needs. I think we're, we're better at, at adapting quicker than a lot of places. So I, when I see the opportunities where anytime I see disruption, I mean, if you think about the history of this, of this uh, uh, university and all the disruptive forces that were occurring when, when AJ Drexel was, was sort of launching or working on this institution, if you will, uh, there are just as many disruptive forces today as there were then. You have you have job roles that are diminishing or disappearing altogether. You have a technological advancement could have been industrial. Now it's sort of tech driven, where uh, you know a lot of a lot of buzzwords. You're retraining, sort of reprogramming, uh, kind of what roles are going to be in the workforce, what's going to be required. All that is being discussed today, and I bet you if you ran it side by side to you know, the Wall Street Journal, you know, from uh, whatever the, the prevailing paper was, you know, 100 years ago, 125 years ago, uh, you would see a lot of overlap. And and I think, I think 
our focus has always been there to make sure we understand what, what the economy may need and make sure we're producing the right type of talent for that. Now we're going to switch things up for a minute. In our Voices from the Campus segment, we're going to talk to some current Drexel students today about their co-op experiences. We're here interviewing current Drexel students about their co-op experience. Here we have with us, um, what's your name? William Roman. And what's your major? Uh, Geoscience, combination of geology and environmental science. And what year are you at Drexel? Uh, this is my this is my fourth year at Drexel. And um, what was your most recent co-op? My most recent co-op is actually what I'm currently on. I work as a as a diatom data store for the Academy of Natural Sciences Neotoma database. That sounds really interesting. Um, what was your favorite? What is your favorite part about your current co-op? Well, getting to work at the Academy of Natural Sciences that's pretty awesome, as well as being contributing to archiving important data on diatom counts. See. Diatoms, they're just these little microorganisms that lived in ponds with silica shells. But turns out we can use their population counts to, tra to track trends with, trends with climate and determine how climate is changing now. That's really fantastic. So it sounds like you really enjoy this co-op, but is there anything about it that you kind of don't like or wish you could change? Yeah, sometimes it's a bit of, it's a bit of a slow going. I mean, we got, I mean, the, I mean, it's a, like a very, uh, not the most up-to-date archive system, system, but I'm trucking along best I can. Sometimes it freezes and stuff, but we do our, I do my best. That still sounds fascinating. Um, what do you think you've learned most so far during this co-op? Well, what I think I most, what I think I've learned most is the importance of small microorganisms and how they can use to record environmental trends. That's pretty fascinating. Do you think that after graduation, you'd want to pursue something in this field similar to your current co-op? Oh, definitely. Look, oh, definitely. Recording and archiving stuff is it, stuff is interesting and it's, and it's very important from a scientific perspective, especially now that everything's going online. It's hard and hard to keep the physical collections with um, uh, degrading due to being over 100 years old and all that. That's so cool. Thank you so much for talking to us. Have a good day. Ah, thank you so much. Have a great one. Next on the podcast, we have with us Jabari Jones, class of 2016, and the current president of the West Philadelphia Corridor Collaborative. Once again, he was drawn to Drexel due to the co-op program. Uh, so yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Jabari Jones. Uh, I graduated as a part of Drexel's class of 2016. Uh, I was a major in uh, finance and business law in the LeBeau College of Business, um, and the and so the second part of the question, um, I ended up deciding really to come to Drexel because it was a really unique university. It offered um, a couple things that I didn't see at any other of the colleges or universities that I was looking at attending. And so one of them, of course, is the famous co-op program. Uh, no one offered anything close to that, getting six months off from classes to do some professional work um, and paid professional work. Um, you know, it was very unique. The other thing that really attracted me to university was this mission of civic engagement. Um, and I think that Drexel's uh, vision in terms of being the most civically engaged university is something that uh, really made me pause and say, hmm, what does that look like? You know, and I, and I like the concept of a university 
that is uh, organized and, and makes it part of its mission to give back to the local community in, in all sorts of uh, different ways and really looks at itself uh, as a problem solver. Um, and that was uh, eventually the two things that really drove me to say, you know what, this is the school I want to go to. I was heavily involved in civic engagement while I was an, an undergrad here. Uh, so uh, I, I found out very easily through uh, some of Drexel's um, civic engagement programming and some of the things that are required freshman year um, that it was a field that I really wanted to move into. Uh, specifically, I learned that I'm really interested in business and economic development. So pretty much the looking at the ways that you can apply principles of small business to develop, um, you know, a community and looking at how you can provide uh, access to uh, and pathways to getting to self-sufficiency by teaching residents how to start and, and grow their businesses, um, how you can create jobs by empowering existing small businesses, by giving them uh, connection to skills, resources, knowledge, training, um, and, and other forms of support, and what the rolling impact is of having a strong uh, small business community does for the community at large. As with many other Drexel students, Jabari is not one to shy away from innovation and development. Absolutely. So lots of things came up, and that's actually what ended up uh, getting myself a little bit more involved with the university after the co-op was finished. Um, there were, because we had kept these these discussions conversational, Drexel came up a lot. They said, oh, you're a student. What school do you go to? Oh, you go to Drexel. Um, and I heard some good things that the university was doing and, and also heard some things about uh, the history of the institution and, and things that were not so beneficial to the community. Um, and at the time, I knew that Drexel, um, because it was one of the reasons why I had come here, had this mantra of civic engagement. And so at the end of my co-op, um, of course, I did my final report for uh, for West Philadelphia Financial. And, and at the time, the Federal Reserve was also looking at the recommendations made in uh, my end of year report. But I also did a second report that was looking at some of the uh, feedback and and sometimes criticisms of the institution and, and the university. Um, and then I applied my own little spark of innovation and entrepreneurship to come up with some potential structures that Drexel could create to mitigate what those concerns were. Um, and I had an opportunity to sit down with President Fry. Um, I submitted this proposal to him uh, and the other members of the university and community partnerships team um, and then that's, I guess, when it really took off because I spent uh, most of the rest of my undergraduate career working with the president's office and, and top administrative leaders at the university on implementing some of the things that I had proposed in that proposal, uh, as well as uh, having a role in uh, some of the other decisions that were made for the civic engagement strategy of the university at large. So uh, there was a, a couple things. And one thing I'll, I always say, too, is that um, I have a lot of respect for President Fry um, in the fact that, one, he took this meeting and, and this was a meeting that wasn't necessarily about, uh, you know, the normal student concerns or, or um, issues related to campus or something. And it really shows, too, that, you know, he was an accessible person that was open to new ideas. Um, the conversation went very well. Uh, the president um, saw that uh, the expertise that I guess I had gained through this co-op and sitting down and talking to so many folks, um, he reviewed the proposal with me. We talked about the good things. We talked about the bad things. The president was a little bit 
uh, surprised at, at some of the bad things and said, you know, this is really interesting. We've never really had uh, that level of, of personal dialogue that has uh, to the level that you have. And uh, I also think that there was an element of forthcoming that some of the folks that we spoke to were willing to be with me because, you know, you're a college student, whatever, versus, you know, if you have some kind of a focus group event with the university and the community, you may get, you know, some skewed results. Um, and so the president pretty much at the end of that meeting said he committed to uh, taking that proposal uh, with other senior leaders of university and community partnerships and, and some of the other departments here uh, and coming up with a response. Uh, and they did that very relatively quickly, you know, in, in addressing some of those immediate things that we could do and some of those pieces of feedback. He set up a lot of subsequent meetings with uh, members of the administration here on, um, you know, how we can work together to implement some of these, how, how we can make our structures work better. Um, and, and all in that, in that good spirit of civic engagement. Once again, through co-op, Jabari was able to gain the experience needed to start his own company and further support small businesses in West Philadelphia. So uh, we've already formed it. So we started with those five groups that we started uh, moderating some discussions with. And um, it was pretty much, let's bring the five organizations together and have some conversations about how we can work together um, the biggest recommendation from my uh, strategic planning report that we did was we have all these organizations that have the same mission. They want to support entrepreneurship. They want to see businesses succeed. And they believe that the best way to strengthen a community is by having a strong business community. Um, and the only thing that really was different about these organizations was the geographic focus that they were focused on. One's on Lancaster, one's on Baltimore, one's on 52nd Street, et cetera, et cetera. And so we brought together these these five groups um, in a number of conversations. And I, 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 I suppose, took my board hat off for LH, for the Lancaster's Association and became an independent moderator to really moderate with the presidents of these organizations what's the best way for us to work together. And, and ultimately, what came out of those discussions was that those associations wanted to see another organization be created. Um, and that organization's role was to be um, the forger of partnerships and convener of businesses. Philly has uh, a lot from a, a lot of economic challenges from the statistics. We all hear about the uh, 28% poverty uh, rate in the city. We all hear about um, you know unemployment figures that are above the national average. We also hear that it's about 25 to 30 percent of residents actually have bachelor's degrees here in the city, um, where a majority of our new tech and health sector jobs require those degrees. And so unfortunately, many residents throughout the city um, do not have the ability to be able to get some of those positions. Um, but something that we don't hear about a lot of um, is actually in a, a report that was done last year by the Sustainable Business Network that said that although we have all of these negative economic challenges and those are all the mainstream things you hear about, Philly is also home to, to over 93,000 small businesses. And those 93,000 small businesses are responsible for 50% of the total jobs in our city. Um, and that's, so that's, again, even looking at your institutions and your folks like Drexel and University of Penn that have thousands of employees, even calculating those numbers your small business community, and those range anywhere from your mom and pop coffee shop to your pizza store that has, you know, five or six employees. Um, in, in our area, we have paper manufacturing facilities, um, 
um, and all kinds of wide ranges of businesses. And those businesses are able to create 50% of all of the jobs in our city. And so that to me and, and that to many leaders throughout the city shows that even though we have a lot of these you know, negative economic numbers that people throw around, the real uh, potential for the city lies in its small business community. If you can empower a good percentage of those 93,000 businesses to become um, more successful, build in their capacity, raise more in income and revenue, and they continue to create jobs on the same track record that they have been uh, in the past, you could really see huge dents in those numbers like unemployment. Um, you could see wages start to rise. You could see you know poverty start to be diminished. And so it's reports like that that really make me um, realize how important our work is in, in terms of supporting these businesses, making sure that corridors have the ability to attract consumer traffic, making sure businesses have reputa- uh, representation, uh, in in government um, and, a, and a voice in some of those um, legislative decisions that affect small business, um, and then also a voice in major development, real estate, and construction that happens throughout the city, making sure that those projects are inclusive, that they have um, deliberate goals for having minority women business enterprise inclusion, as well as local small business inclusion in those projects. Um, because I, I look at, at all of the development that happens in our city, and I'm, I, I would be um, really excited to see if you got a, a 10% number of all of that development that's happening throughout the city. If you got 10% of the proceeds that it takes to develop some of those major projects, and you put 10, that 10% into contracts for the local business community, Imagine what the impact could be in terms of jobs being created by those businesses, um, you know, the, the uh, income, rising incomes, as well as you're helping communities become self-sufficient. Um, and that's kind of why I, I really see that this work is, is extremely important. So one of the things that we always uh, tell businesses, or I'll say two of the things, one is have ownership. Um, and we've realized that even in, in a um, corridor on Lancaster Avenue, which is right adjacent from the university. Uh, We've seen an amazing interest in real estate uh, by major developers. Many developers aren't even in the city. Uh, Folks that think that uh, we can buy these five properties up, demolish it, build a student housing complex, and and there's a lot of money to be made. Um, So one of the things that we definitely encourage business owners to do is have ownership in your community. So if you have the ability to purchase your bu- your building, the place where you're doing business, to purchase your home, the place where you're living, um, that's the first step in making sure that you don't get, you know, crowdfunded out of out of the community or that the economic real estate pressures don't push you out, right? Is it, is having that ownership. And the second thing for businesses is innovation. Um, we have um, a, a changing community here in West Philly. Um, that that community is getting younger, is more tech savvy. Uh, and so one of the things that we have tried to uh, continually do is to push businesses to innovate and use te- new technology methods to um, increase consumer traffic to their business, increase revenues. Because we feel that if a business can generate uh, revenue, generate more revenue or additional revenue 
um, at the same or a rate that's higher than the new economic pressures in an area, your business can still want to afford to stay there and potentially thrive. Uh, and so in the last year, we have had over $50,000 worth of digital education initiatives. Uh, some of those partnerships have actually been with folks here at Drexel. We've partnered with the Excite Center to do a project that uh, creates free websites for small businesses using WordPress. And, and we had a great uh, partner in John Maida, who was a former keynote speaker for commencement. Uh, and, and he sees this vision in, in making sure that businesses have a digital presence uh, we also received uh, through our Lancaster Avenue Business Association. Um, we have a partnership with them, and together we went out with uh, we went out for the Mayor's Digital Literacy Grant, and we use it to create a program that actually uh, brings technology training to businesses um, and can teach them a wide range of skills from building simple flyers to Facebook AdWords and, and using uh, online digital marketing. And so um, we believe that if we can um, do either of those things, either one, increase ownership, um, or two, increase businesses' a, a capacity to bring in and profit from the, the changing communities, uh, we believe that is going to be the best answer for uh, that gentrification question. The co-op program offers many opportunities, but Drexel, being a private institution, it is not affordable to many. How can Drexel students and alumni change this? My answer in, in what I view my role in being. So I am very engaged with the alumni community here. Um, I come back and speak to student groups. Um, I have a couple students that I mentor here on campus and you know, provide some some expertise as well as some um, introductions and relationships uh, to help them grow. Um, and definitely, I believe in engaging with the university on meaningful conversations. Um, I believe that uh, as the alumni, as uh, as alumni of this university, you have a little bit of a responsibility um, to help the future classes of students that uh, come through here. And so, one of the things that um, has been my specific engagement is really about um, how to increase diversity on campus. Um, and so one of the things I attend all of the uh, the breakfasts that the admissions, uh, admissions department hosts with alumni and we're part of meaningful discussions on how we can increase uh, diversity on campus, provide um, access and opportunity for minority students that are um, coming through the university as well as folks that are coming from lower income backgrounds that may not have had a high performing high school um, that that max that stacks up to the Drexel education. And so how can we as alumni exert our our influence and our voice uh, to the administration to make sure that structures are created that help those folks? Because a lot of folks um, in my class and, and good friends of mine, you know, we came from schools that didn't have the same academically um, academic challenge that Drexel brings through, especially through a term system rather than a semester. Uh, and, it, and it was definitely something that was struggling. So as an alum, knowing that, um, if there are ways that um, I can be involved as an alum in, in terms of discussions with the missions, discussions with the administration, um, and even folks that I know, um, here at the university um, to help, you know, the next generation of students that are coming through here, I absolutely want to take it. Co-op has had a long and rich history at Drexel University and has become an invaluable part of education today. 
For many students, such as Evan Ellers, it is the only reason that they were initially interested in Drexel. It is clear that the cooperative education program is unique and attractive, not only to students, but also to employers. With a century of cooperative education behind us, Drexel students, alongside the Steinbright Career Development Center, are still finding new ways to innovate the co-op experience and improve it for every subsequent graduating class. Thanks for spending some time with us on this special double episode of the Dragons Remember podcast, and tune in next time for another dive into Drexel's history. We'll talk to you then.